You're listening to Backstage Pass with Alford Media, your behind-the-scenes look inside event tech and what it takes to turn visions into reality. Hey everyone, welcome to Backstage Pass, brought to you by Alford Media. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. All right, so I'm looking forward to this episode. We've got an interesting dynamic going on here. I just got off a plane from Orlando. I was at uh, IAPA, the Global Attractions Industry Trade Show. Um, One of our guests today also just got off a plane from Las Vegas, so we're all in recovery trade show mode. Um, We've also got a caller calling in from Las Vegas, so we are in all corners of the world. We are flying in from all over the place, but we had to make this happen because there's some timely content that we want to break down for y'all. So I am excited to welcome Allie McMahon marketing and communications manager who's joining me in the studio and calling in. We've got Dave Pooser, director of product innovation, both at Alfred Media. We've had Allie and Dave on on separate episodes, but now they're both calling in to recap their Vegas trip, which took them to XLive 2019, which is the live events and entertainment trade show. So we're getting together for a post-show recap. We're breaking down what stood out, what old tech is getting a facelift, what new technology is pushing the industry forward, and what is assisting and deeper audience engagement. So, Ali, Dave, welcome. Great to have you both back on. Thanks for having us on, Daniel. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's great to be here. All right, so how's the post-show fatigue? Is everyone hanging in? I'm I'm almost back to normal. I think I'm Monday. Which is a regular form of fatigue. Yeah. Always <laughs> fatigue. <laughs> this is just a regular level. Yeah. Dave, how about you? Uh, it's all about the chemicals. <laughs> Diet Mountain Dew is keeping me twitching along here. Oh, I love that. I love the Diet Mountain Dew. That's a... Um, that's a bold, bold move. Is Does that have enough caffeine to keep you going? Or is that mostly just the, the sugar high that keeps you going? It actually, because it doesn't have the sugar of the regular, they True. put in more caffeine to compensate. <laughs> that's So that's the whole draw. It is. I love it's, it. Give, give me aspartame and caffeine. I really hope my doctor never listens to this podcast. But <laughs> Right into the bloodstream. We do what we have to do. Yes, exactly. We got to make it happen. Well, thanks again, both of you, for joining us on the podcast today. So, looks like, just in general, at both of the shows we were at, tech with a purpose and audience immersion were leading the way. That's something mm-hmm. that I was talking to a lot of people at at IAPA. Obviously, some of y'all were talking about at XLive 2019 as well. So, I just wanted to get like a broader perspective from both of y'all first. Why do you think this thematic trend is the center point of so many trade shows right now? This idea of... Uh, purposeful tech and deep audience engagement and immersion. Why is that leading so much conversation from industry to industry? So I think um, some of the main themes that we heard at XLive were, you know, we have we've had this trend within our industry to chase the coolest, newest, you know, best technology, and you always want to outdo the last event, the last year. But really, now it's how does that technology enhance your attendees' experience? Does it make sense for the event? You know, what's your objective and your goal that you're trying to reach? And then let's find a, you know, the right medium or the right technology that applies to that, and rather than just having it for the sake of having the coolest technology. Right. And then on creating immersive experiences, we heard immersive quite a bit. I'm sure you did as well. Yes, definitely. Um, I, I think it lends itself to the trend of, you know, 
when people pay money to come out to a conference, a, co- a convention, an event of any kind, they want to go have an experience. They really want to be transported somewhere. They want to, you really want to make people, you know, evoke an emotion or have a response to the content that you're sharing, the message that you're sharing. Um, so I think those things are what are really transforming the event space. And it, it's, I, I think it's great that we're hearing the same thing across the board because I think we're just overall going to have better events going forward. I agree. But also, I would say one of the advantages for us, or for me at least at XLive, working in the B2B space as we do, where the consumer and the customer are not necessarily the same person, it can get easier to kind of lose track of what it is that the attendee wants because the person who's organizing the event has their set of priorities, their set of goals. Hearing from festival promoters in particular, if you're making a rock and roll festival, it's all about the attendees because they're the ones who are going to decide whether the event happens or not. For a corporate show, the people who are organizing the event aren't necessarily the attendees and don't necessarily think in the same way. So the the new trend toward immersion I say new trend. I think it's a place where the B2B space is catching up with the B2C space because consumers have been voting with their feet in their wallets. And we're in a business where the way our attendees vote is with their intention and with their engagement. Mm -hmm. If we're having an event, my company can make me show up for the event. They can't make me be interested, be engaged, be passionate. Right. Mm-hmm. That has to happen through immersion, through engagement, through smart use of the right technology. And I think we're starting to see more focus on that. Nobody ever started a meeting and said, well, we don't want our attendees engaged. <laughs> right. But they were saying, hey, we want to have a giant LED wall. Speaking for an audiovisual company, yes, we will take your money and give you a giant LED wall, but maybe step back a little bit and say, okay, what are we trying to do with it? What are we trying to evoke with this? How are we planning? And maybe the right answer is we get a smaller LED wall and we spend some of the tech on doing some other, you know, spend some of the tech budget on doing some other things that are going to help draw the audience and keep them focused and engaged with that different um you know attendee end user dynamic it feels like especially when you're dealing with corporate events or or, you know setting up for conferences there is a um qualitative level to gauging the success of a deployment um that I think can be hard to measure sometimes, uh, but there is also a lot of data analysis that can be brought into the picture to you know look for okay how might those uh, qualitative trends be reflected in a way that you can actually count and measure and determine was this successful? How have y'all seen the, kind of the qualitative and the quantitative aspect of delivering something that is so focused on engagement? You know, how have you found that balance between the two to really discern whether or not something was successful? So my background is IT. Um, I was doing IT before I was doing AV. And 
one of the rules, you know, that, that we heard all the time was if you, you know, don't measure what's easy to measure, measure what's important to the results. There was some interesting discussion of some of the ways you can support that with tech, um, trade shows using LIDAR scanners to just measure the, the profusion of bodies outside of one particular booth. And being able to turn around and say, hey, you know, numerically, these are the number of people who are standing around this booth at any given time. Um, there's facial recognition software that will, you know, look at people and qualify, you know, hey, here's Dave. He's a middle-aged white male, and he spent 60% of his time looking vaguely interested and 40% of his time looking grumpy. They don't know me well enough to know that the grumpy is pretty much my baseline. <laughs> but... I think that there's more and more awareness now that measurement has got to be integrated into it, but it's got to be good measurements. We've actually been working recently on uh, you know, some digital technology that is, again, all about, hey, tracking the number of people who are specifically engaging with these slides in this show to help people gain that information. But then the other part of it is, you know, I mean, this has been a mostly solved problem for some time with marketing. There are people who do surveys. There are people who are, are good at judging sentiment. And a lot of it is just a matter of starting out with the clear understanding of what you want to accomplish and then designing how you're going to measure it in advance. The, the easiest and most dangerous thing to do is design your metrics after the event because somehow then every event hits all of its you know, targets. And realistically, you need to know what doesn't work and you need to start by measuring the things that are sometimes tough to measure. And, you know, I'm, I'm biased, but I feel like working with a good event technology company is something that's going to help you with that. From the marketing side of things, I think that social media, the digital aspects, we've been able to yeah. measure engagement of customers and um, attendees for a while. You know, whether it's keeping track of hashtags or how many people are interacting with our content, there's that aspect. But I think what we're starting to see, um, as Dave mentioned, through different tracking technologies at the actual event, be it a booth space or even in um, certain rooms with RFID and Bluetooth tracking, um, is that those two are going to merge and that we're really going to get a full picture of both being able to track uh, what interests attendees most, what really engages them at the event, and then the post follow-up for which events, which content they're, they're continuing to follow up with on the digital side of things. So it's really exciting. And I think if you're working with a good, flexible event technology provider, you're going to start seeing more companies making more adjustments to their event on the fly based on engagement. Hey, if we know on day one what worked and what didn't, why are we going to wait a year until next show to, you know, try and adjust those? Let, you know, let's see what we can adjust on, on day two. Let's see what we can adjust on day three. It's going to make things trickier. You're going to have to work more closely with your event tech provider. You're going to have to plan ahead more. But I think the payoff can be huge because if you can take this event from a B 
to an A minus or an A event, then you've got a huge head start versus starting to just write down lessons learned today that you're then going to revisit nine months from now for a show that's happening three months after that. Right. And I think that's a really good point when we're talking about the importance of personalization, because that's also a theme that we've been hearing for a while, is that if you can start to tailor and customize an event as it's happening, that's just going to enhance the experience for all attendees. Right. Being extremely flexible, you know, down to a down to the granular level. I like that. So being part of this industry, I think, uh, you know, it's fair to say you're aware of these trends already. It's not like you learned all of this at the show. So did going to XLive 2019 give you any new perspectives on how buyers are embracing these trends, how integrators are reacting, what audiences are looking for? You know, was anything contextualized in a new light uh, at XLive specifically? Yes, there were a couple of trends that we've been aware of for a while, but I think to see them really getting to a point where it's going to be ever-present rather than these are just popping up. So, for instance, um, I mentioned Bluetooth and RFID tracking. Mm. So we've been aware of this for a while, and I think it's been more present and in the concert and festival space. But, you know, I think to, to Dave's point earlier, as consumers are seeing this on you know, the B2C side of events, we're going to start seeing that transfer over to the B2B and the more corporate meeting space. Because if you're attending a concert, a festival, or any event that's already using this technology, and then you go to a corporate meeting and you're not having the same experience, I think there's gonna, it should be more fluid across the board. So I think we'll start seeing that more integrated. And then the uptick of AR and mixed reality, um, or merged reality is one of the, one of the terms that we heard I see that growing, and I think that's going to grow more so on the consumer side of things, like being able to interact with it on our phone. If we get to a point where we have devices that take it off of your phone, be it glasses or something else that you can interact with in the real world, again, as it's more present in, in everyone's everyday life, we're going to see that really take hold in the event space. So I think it's important that we start looking at those things now mm. so we can easily integrate and incorporate those into our events. Yeah, I'd agree. And to build a little bit on what Allie was saying, one of the kind of takeaways from this, like just an aside in one panel, they were talking about a festival and doing something with a 3D LED, you know, 3D projection, 3D LED. They're really cool technologies. And the mantra in the corporate business has always been, yeah, but you can't get people to wear glasses. You know, if you want people to put on the 3D glasses, you're already losing a big chunk of your audience. Don't go there. And hearing the festivals talk about it, and they're like, and people get this, you know, extra swag to take home. It was really a 180 degree. And I found that fascinating. And I'm going to be interested in seeing whether we start to see that translate more into the corporate market. Mm. Otherwise, I very much agree with Ali that uh, the big challenge for AR right now is, you know, we don't have the great distribution channel, and you know, more than a, more than a few people were mentioning, you know, the rumors about Apple getting into AR glasses in 2020, and that would be a game changer. But for right now, you know, as Ali says, as long as my AR or mixed reality is going to be delivered through my phone, 
that's a suboptimal experience and we're probably not going to have a ton of success with that. The other thing that I would say that I found very interesting in some of those panels is you had audience members asking for the magic formula for how do I apply this? How do I apply this? How do I do this thing that will suddenly make everyone Instagram it and you know give us our Instagrammable moments? And what I was hearing from the speakers was, it doesn't work that way. It can't work that way. If your goal is to build an Instagrammable moment, you will fail. If your goal is to figure out how to use this technology to show cool things, if your goal is to, to, to give the attendee an amazing experience, they'll Instagram it. They'll do whatever. But you you don't start, you know, you don't start with the target of I want to hit this social media KPI. Right. You start with, I'm going to make this an amazing, immersive experience that's going to blow the audience away, and the social will come. Yeah, I mean, that's. Uh, I think that is in part because audiences are extremely savvy. You know, uh, I think in general, maybe, I mean, I'm not saying this industry in particular, but I just think when we talk about how audiences consume content, you know, maybe we don't give them enough credit. Like, I think people really understand when something is ham-fisted, when something is forced. And if they feel like, oh, I'm only doing this because they want me to post it on Instagram and hashtag with 10 different hashtags, you know, no one wants to do that. It feels forced. It feels, you know, quote-unquote corporate, right, with like how you perceive um, lifeless content. But it doesn't have to be that way. And when, like you said, uh, Dave, when you approach it from a, you know, from an experience perspective, we want them to walk away from this with, you know, a new emotional connection to this product or a new emotional connection to whatever. We really want them to, after this experience, uh, you know, have a really shared memory with their family or something because it's a group activity, whatever it might be. That becomes Instagrammable because it's authentic and because people want to share authentic things on social media. So, yeah, that's that's um, an astute observation. Sorry, I'm going to tack on one more thing. Yeah, go, go it ahead. Was, it, it got to be kind of a running joke between Allie and me by the end of the conference that, you know, um, I'm, I'm Gen X, she's millennial, and we were sitting and watching boomers and Gen Xers tell us how millennials and Gen Z think. And it was kind of interesting. But one of the things was, you know, they're talking about things like, well, you know, Gen Z really values authenticity. No, no, humans really value authenticity. <laughs> It's that there was a tendency, I think, to to dress things up in language of generations. And yes, there are some differences, but it was obscuring the fact that, you know, we'll we're doing events where there are everyone from boomers to Gen Z there at that. And they're all looking for more or less the same things. They're all looking to be connected to, to humans. They're looking to be connected to the product. They're looking to be connected to the purpose. And when we try and make it a generational thing, oh, well, Gen Z values authenticity. No, everybody values authenticity. They may talk about it in different ways. They may socialize it in different ways, but there are a lot of universal values here. And if we try to spend too much time segmenting the market, we'll miss the fact that 
you know, there's nobody out there when you say, do you like things fake and overly polished is going to say, yes, sign me up. Right, exactly. No, <laughs> I, I will say, I think it's always an interesting dynamic to um, hear someone psychoanalyze your generation whenever you're you're yeah. sitting in, in the audience. It's like, yeah, it's like, I don't feel that way. Yeah, no, I I know exactly what you're saying. But but that that being said, I mean, um, millennials are uh, coming up on, from a demographic standpoint of having the largest purchasing power, and then Gen Z is is very close behind that. Right. Um, but to Dave's point, I think yeah, if you're if you're just aiming towards authenticity, and even like from a messaging standpoint, or even looking at the technology of trying to connect with these demographics, that's fluid. That's going to that's gonna translate across multiple demographics because everyone is on their phone. Everyone is using these different types of technologies. So I, I agree with Dave. You should really mm. aim towards, you know, what is your end goal, your objective, and then focus that out to all, all demographics without really keeping just one in mind. Yeah. So, um, Allie, earlier you brought up RFID and Bluetooth technology. I think these two technologies have really encouraged deeper engagement and creating that kind of A to Z experience for guests because you can you know, really track things and it, it almost creates the uh, illusion of choice, right? Like the idea that they can guide their own experience. However, you know, there's still blinders on that you can use to qualify and quantify their experience. So it, it's like the perfect kind of like freeing of the reins, letting people really explore things on their own, but it gives you an ability to uh, gauge that sort of free and independent experience that they're having. Uh, and I think this coupled with how we're trying to engage guests continually with personalized experiences, whether it's with that kind of technology or like you know third-party applications, I think it's brought the sensitive subject of data collection to the forefront of the industry. Uh, so how are event professionals maneuvering data collection and how are end users responding to sharing more and more of their data for this kind of personalized experience? That's a really great question, a very timely question. Yes. So I would say, honestly, just just attending XLive, one of the cool things is um, some of the applications, be it the exhibitors, um, at XLive or the technology that and applications that were incorporated into the event, they were all purposeful. Like there was, um, Click was one of the providers of technology, so they were ID badges that incorporated Bluetooth technology. So they are tracking you throughout the event, like what rooms you're going to, just through sensors. If you walk into a room, you know what session was in there. But they also coupled it with their application that allowed you, allowed with this really cool networking. Um, ability. So you would click your badge to someone else and you'd be able to instantly share contact information and then connect afterwards. So it's kind of like the old um, Apple bump, if you remember, but it added this engagement um, level to the event overall. So basically, when you sign up, you give your your name, your company, your email, you give them your data, that you give them their information, but it's all for the purpose of being able to network with other people, connect with people that you met with at the event, with exhibitors, with vendors. And I think that if you, when you're looking at collecting information or really trying to measure the data of engagement, as long as the the vehicle or the purpose behind it for your attendees enhances their experience or 
is they get a benefit or value out of it. I think what we're finding is that people are less likely to guard their information. They want to be a part of that. They want to be able, I want to be able to go network with people or I want to be able to sign up for this really cool AR experience. I would love to give this information, my Instagram, whatever it might be, because I want to be able to share that afterwards. So I think as long as you have that benefit for the attendee, you're going to see people aren't as guarded as we might think that they are. I'd agree with that. Um, also, you know, I, I'm not sure if we're playing buzzword bingo here or not, but <laughs> I'm going to mention gamification. One of the things that uh, Click did was, you know, assigned points for certain activities with the app, and then they had a leaderboard. And I'm not going to say that they completely hooked me, but I can tell you that I was in the top 10 uh, on, on the points scored. So that has it a little bit. You know, the big thing is, Data is valuable, but we trade valuable things all the time for other values. You know, I like money, but I trade it away for a great meal in Vegas or for going to a show or whatever because, you know, the trade's worth it to me. So as long as I know that what I'm giving up in my privacy or in my data is going to be rewarding me, and as long as they're clear about what's going on. Yeah, yeah, I, I will totally make that informed trade-off. And I think that that's something that came up a couple of times during the conference. People are not nearly as concerned with their privacy as they are with relevance and respectfulness. You know, if I go to XLive and I give my contact information to XLive, and then they're tracking and they know that I went to these booths. If I get emails from them telling me more about the products and services those booths offered, that's fine. That's part of the deal. If I start getting emails from people offering me, you know, rental car rates or something like that, whoa, now you broke the contract. Now, now that deal isn't fair anymore. And I'm not benefiting the way I thought I was going to be benefiting. But I think most attendees now, most consumers in general, are more informed about what happens with their data. They're not scared to give it out anymore. They're just wanting to make sure that they're going to be getting value for it, that you know they're going to be seeing some advantage. And as long as you do that and do that well, I, I think attendees will be very, very open to sharing data. I completely agree with that. And I, I just want to add, because you brought up a really good point, that that you're clear and upfront. I think transparency is really important. Mm. Like let, like inform, inform your attendees why you're taking this data, what you're going to be using it for, and how you're going to use it to enhance their experience. I think that's another really important element. Obviously, understanding the market and your ever-evolving audience is critical and I think, yes, to a degree, it's kind of counterproductive to just say, like, all Gen Zers are like this and all boomers are like this. However, uh, we do have a, a new generation that has more impact on uh, the market, uh, which is alphas. So we've got our millennials, we've got our Gen Zers, but then the children of millennials, which are the alphas, are really driving the purchasing decisions of a lot of their millennial parents. You know, they're increasingly more tech savvy. I mean, you know, we often say Gen Zers are, oh, they were born with an iPad in their hands. 
uh, I mean, alphas were born the same year the iPad debuted. So, I mean, they literally know no other world beyond kind of the, the touchscreen, integrated IoT technology world. They're growing up in the middle of that boom. So, I don't think that necessarily changes like, oh, well, now we need to be doing narrative and storytelling and engaging content. No, to your point, I do think, um, you know, that's just things humans like. They like to be engaged. But from a, a tool perspective, is this changing kind of the scope of uh, how you approach the tools to achieve that kind of engagement based on how comfortable uh, these fresher generations are with either encouraging, you know, dad, mom, I want to you know, have XYZ experience or even the kids themselves giving them an experience that they feel like is, is boundary pushing. If I could kind of jump in on this one a little bit, um, and I'm going to start by maybe pushing back a little bit on your premise. No generation exists in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. You know, my fiance is like me, Gen X. She has two kids who are Gen Z. And because she's constantly interacting with those Gen Zers, there are a lot of ways in which her technology usage and consumption, you know, more resembles a millennial or a Gen Zer than the stereotypical Gen Xer. I mean, I, I tease her that you know people in our generation are supposed to know how to use a phone to make phone calls because she uses it constantly for texts and you know, I, I'm I'm getting all this sort of Gen Z style communication from her because. Generations rub off on each other. We are not seeing alphas at most of our, you know, corporate events. They're, we're certainly not designing corporate events around alphas. But just the act of living with an alpha is going to affect how a millennial communicates and how a millennial interacts with technology. The act of living with a Gen Zer is going to affect how the Gen Xers feel. So I think that it's less useful to talk about different generation doing this and more about society as a whole trending in this direction. That's fair. I mean, that's fair. And I think, you know, it speaks to, Ali, kind of what you were saying. It's it's hard to generalize and to say, ah, alphas now in general are going to push the whole industry next direction. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right, Dave. It is... Uh, it's not a vacuous, you know, new trend that just kind of pops up and suddenly, oh, the whole world shifts. Uh, it, it's it's sort of a slow burn, and we see as much of a trickle-down effect as we do a trickle-up effect. So, you know, if alphas want to play more with iPads, then parents are probably going to be interacting with iPads more. They're going to become more tech-savvy, and then that kind of has a domino effect. But, yeah, Allie, what are your thoughts on the, that premise? Yeah, so um, I'm going to take it back just a little bit okay. and, and start analyzing generations again. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think that, I think for right now, for alphas, I don't think we have enough information. I don't think like they've really come of age enough to really say what they do and don't like. Sure. I think as they get older and they do get into more of that purchasing power or being able to create that demand, we'll start to see where those trends and things shift. But I will say, I, th I think it's I think it's going to be really interesting to see because you know millennials and Gen Z have been kind of seen as the tech savvy and 
you know, we, we need to drive towards digital because that's where this generation lives and we need to have more applications and more device-driven content. And Dave and I have had these conversations. The pendulum always shifts. So I would be really interested to see, you know, as alphas come of age and get into that purchasing power, if it goes back more to, again, authenticity. And that I think that would drive society as well. So it's, again, it's not in a vacuum, but I think as... Um, as brands and companies are looking for what is the next product, how are people going to engage with their brands? It might turn to more experiences and real life inter- interaction, and we might we might see that shift. So I th- I'm just excited to see what changes are going to be coming forward as again as that generation comes up. Definitely, I feel like um, Allie's really got a good point there when she talks about authenticity, but maybe a step farther. And maybe a little bit of intimacy. I think what's happened in the event industry to a degree is we've been the counterbalance for the way the pendulum was swinging. So when it started out, there was an emphasis on big in-your-face technology that would really blow you away and wow you because you weren't getting that all the time. And now, Ali and I were walking in uh, Vegas and there's an American Eagle spot that's got a wall of 3D or, or sorry, a wall of LED. And then they're doing all these cool fake 3D effects. I mean, that's a retail shop. That's an American Eagle retail shop, which is not generally something that you think of as, oh, these people are pushing the cutting edge of tech. So in today, when people are kind of bombarded with that high tech, high visibility in every direction, I think maybe the pendulum swings the other way. And now what we're looking for is more connection, more human, personal, one-to-one kind of connections. And our challenge in the meeting industry is how can we use technology to facilitate that? How can we make the space for those deeper connections to happen, person-to-person, person-to-product, person-to-people? How are we opening up the space for those connections to happen? And it's going to need technology. We're going to be using technology. But how do we make the technology the background, the enabling, the supporting, not necessarily the big in-your-face pyrotechnics and stuff? That's fun. But that's not what people are coming to meetings for as much now, I think. So it's how do we use the tech in ways that will subtly reinforce their desire for the human level connections. And, you know, maybe the pendulum will swing back the other way and we'll get back to, you know, big in your face explosions. But I think right now, if I want big in your face explosions, I can, you know, go home and play Call of Duty on a 49 inch wraparound monitor. Now I'm looking for the person to person experience. And we in this industry need to be focused on how we enable that. Yeah. All right, last point for you. Uh, I want to end on kind of a, a technical note, actually. Um, so I think what's interesting uh, in seeing how all these different industries are tackling the sense of really authentic end-user engagement and immersion is that I think it's also coinciding with an embrace of open source integration kind of across several industries or like an idea of rejecting siloed technology. Uh, I think we see this in software deployments. We see it at a consumer level. We see it at a B2B level. 
often there's just less value in being a black box solution when there is so much data integration uh, and so much opportunity that can be taken out of being, you know, an open source IoT device or a, an open source video editing software, I mean, whatever it might be. Are we seeing this trend in live event technology as well? And if so, did the show have any focus on the importance of you know, siloing or not siloing your technology as some of these new tools become more mainstream and as we refocus as an industry to really embrace how are we giving an authentic and immersive experience to our guests? That is a great question and a really big question. But um, I would say just from what we heard at the conference, I, I don't remember anyone specifically saying you shouldn't silo your technology or your software, but just the conversations that we had with with vendors or you know the speakers that presented on you know be it mixed reality and um, the technology that they're focusing on, everyone was very open to share. Was very open to let's connect afterwards and see how we can you know merge our technologies or our software and you know, work together to make something really great. I think I think in the events industry, we're at this really great point where there's so much new territory in, in the way of the technology that we're using and the software that we're using and the data that we're collecting that I think I think we're going to see more collaboration across the across the industry with um, especially with so many startup vendors and people getting into the game where it is going to be more open source and I, I think I said this last time I'm on, it's still kind of an open playing field. So I'm just excited to see what that, that brings to it. And I don't think we have at this point any one stake or one company that has a monopoly on the space in any of those categories. So again, I think we're going to see a lot of collaboration. Um, and really, it's, it all comes to how do we make the best experience for attendees? How do we you know, merge this technology with this application and this data to enhance the experience overall? And I think if, if you find a product or a vendor, um, a manufacturer that works well with your product, then you should be more than game to collaborate with them to give the attendees a better experience. Yeah, background, as I mentioned, was in IT before I got into the AVs. And in the you know IT world, we fought that whole war for decades about you know do we try and get everything from one vendor and trust that that vendor's internal communications are going to be that good, or do we go for best of breed solutions from a bunch of different you know vendors and then you know link them together? And I think in IT, pretty convincingly, the second approach won. You know, it was it, it all in one is nice, but as soon as there's a feature that I can't get from this, you need to give me the APIs that I can play with other vendors or I'm going to move away from you. You know, for the longest time in the in the 90s, especially, there was this whole goal of we're going to get big enough that then we can lock the doors and all our users will be trapped inside. And that did not work out for the companies who tried that. I think that in the event technology space, you know, in digital, as Ali said, we are seeing a ton of, you know, vendors open to interoperability in the kind of more pure AV technology space. Um, we're seeing a lot more uh, reliance on open standards and the idea that, hey, 
I should be able to trust that I can buy a switcher from vendor A and a projector from vendor B and a camera from vendor C, and I should be able to use the same software, same protocols to control and work with all of them. And there's definitely, I think, that's the way things are going. We're really excited about that for a variety of reasons. But you know, at the end of the day, it's all about how are we going to make this event great? And vendors who are not interested in helping me make this event great unless I'm staying in their silo are vendors who are not going to be getting my business. All right. I think that wraps up our XLive 2019 conversation. Ali, Dave, thank you so much for joining us. You know, if people want to learn a little bit more about uh, some of the trends that we saw at XLive, uh, whether it's your thoughts on it or just in general, anywhere that you would send them. Yeah, so we'll definitely be doing a follow-up article on our website, so you can visit alfordmedia.com. I would also encourage you just to go check out the XLive website and kind of follow some of the um, the vendors and exhibitors that were there. A lot, of, a lot of really cool things that we saw there. All right, again, we were chatting with Allie McMahon. She's Marketing and Communications Manager at Alford Media, as well as Dave Pooser, Director of Product Innovation, also at Alford Media. Dave, thanks so much for calling in. Thanks for having me. And Allie, always a pleasure getting to see you in the studio, and uh, we'll be back around soon. Yeah, always great to be here. And thank you, everyone, for listening along to our episode of Backstage Pass, brought to you by Alford Media. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, or like Allie said, check out some more tangential content from articles to videos, you can head to alfordmedia.com. You can also find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure you're leaving a rating and a comment wherever you're listening to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.